to LA Legal. I'm Liana, your host, and today I am joined by our two employment attorneys, Nick and Levon. So this week, the NFL has been making headlines for some pretty egregious allegations, not because of the Super Bowl, but because the lawsuit has been filed, a class action lawsuit, actually. So we're here today to discuss some of the allegations. We're here to discuss the repercussions and basically everything we know as of today about this lawsuit. So I'm going to open up the stage for Nick to tell us a little bit about the lawsuit. We have all read the complaint. Let's talk about some of the allegations and take it from there. So the complaint was filed by the ex-Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores. He just completed the um, second season in a row coaching the Dolphins to a winning record. That's the first time that's happened since 2003 for the Dolphins and he was terminated immediately after. The lawsuit alleges uh, discrimination based on race, improper hiring practices based on race, and it is a class action. Basically, it involves um, candidates for head coaching positions, quarterback coach positions, uh, offensive and defensive coordinators, and even a few more that were applied for by black coaches and uh, they were not hired. So what I want to talk a little bit about before we really dive in into uh, discussing the complaint is the fact that Brian Flores was terminated, right? Because I think that it has such a negative connotation. So someone who doesn't really know sort of the world of employment law and um, really where this is coming from, it might sound like, well, he was fired, so he probably did something wrong. So I want to talk about that a little bit, and you guys can please chime in. The complaint actually discusses the termination and the reasoning behind the termination. The allegation is that because Brian Flores was deemed difficult entity to work with. He didn't take direction from higher management, from the team owners and so on. Um, They let him go. But in actuality, Brian Flores is claiming that he was asked on numerous occasions to tank the games and he was offered 100k per game so that he can tank them, meaning that they would lose and then the the intent would be that they would get a higher draft pick uh, moving forward. There was also some talk about him uh, not being open to meeting with potential quarterback. So all of this was the pretext for his termination. So he's difficult. They don't want to work with them. But but it sounds like there's so much more behind the scenes that's that's really happening, which was uh, ultimately the, the reason for the termination. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, Brian, Brian Flores' allegations are that one, the owner, Stephen Ross of the Miami Dolphins, asked him at the beginning of the 2019 season to lose games on purpose and offered him $100,000 for every game that he lost. And by doing so, uh, the team would obviously have a worse season and have a better draft pick. Second, another point you brought up that Stephen Ross had asked him to meet with a potential free agent quarterback outside of the timeline in which you can meet with free agent quarterbacks and against the tamper, which would violate the tampering rules of the NFL. Uh, again, Brian Fuller has refused, and he believes those are the actual reasons behind his termination. This is, these are huge allegations, one, specifically the one in which uh, Stephen Ross was asking him to, to lose games on purpose because a core principle of the NFL is its competitive integrity. By relaying these allegations against Stephen Ross, um, and if they are found to be true, I think the NFL has no choice but to force Stephen Ross to sell that team. There can, uh, I can't imagine the NFL wanting an owner in position who, who is incentivizing his team to lose games on purpose when, as I said, a core principle of the NFL is its competitive integrity. And- well, also having you know coaches sort of meet potential 
candidates, if I can call them uh, that, or potential players, you know, outside of, of that that sort of time frame that you mentioned, because, um, you know, I think it's it's simply unfair to everyone else, right? There are rules and regulations that everyone has to follow for a reason. So if these things are happening behind the scenes, as Brian Flores alleges, um, and which, by the way, he states that once he found out that that lunch meeting on a yacht, by the way, was being orchestrated for the sole purpose of him meeting a potential quarterback, he walked off and he didn't want to take any part of it. So he, in his complaint, in my opinion, made a very big stance to to make these allegations but also remove himself entirely from sort of having anybody point the finger at him and say well you participated even minimally in this as well would you guys agree uh yeah i'd agree and then to add to that that supposed quarterback meeting there was a whole bunch involved there in the complaint so supposedly um the quarterback was supposed to arrive and it was supposed to be a total coincidence that he was there sort Mm -hmm. of like circumventing the um the, the time period rule where you're not allowed to meet with quarterbacks. They were going to schmooze him supposedly on a yacht. And right. then, you know, that would all be an attempt to convince Brian Flores that he should draft this quarterback. All indications say that it's their current quarterback to a Tagovailoa. And that was supposed to be his way to win Brian Flores over to tanking games after he'd already said no. It's just th- there's a lot of messy and serious uh, allegations in the complaint. And we haven't even gotten to the... Uh, yeah. The biggest ones. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about the Rooney rule a little bit, because this comes up multiple times in interviews, in like ESPN newscasting, right? Because every everyone is talking about this. So talk to us a little bit. Why don't you explain what that is? And then I think that's going to be a good starting point for us to discuss everything else in the allegations. The background of Brian Flores' uh, lawsuit, and I think what's most important, more so than his termination from the Dolphins, is the discriminatory practice the NFL has in hiring or even interviewing candidates for head coaching positions, general manager positions, and front office executive positions. This has been a conversation in the NFL for a long time, and in 2003, they implemented something called the Rooney Rule, which said that um, if you if there's a head coaching vacancy, vacancy, and it was later expanded to include assistant coaches and general managers, you need to interview one minority candidate before determining what uh, who's going to fill that vacancy. Brian Flores's allegations, specifically the text messages from Bill, uh, Bill Belichick, uh, indicate that he was offered an interview with the New York Giants, but he learned through text messages from Bill Belichick that they had already made a decision on who they were going to hire before they even interviewed him. Clearly, they were his allegations are that clearly they were doing this in order to uh, say that they complied with the Rooney rule and interviewed a minority candidate when they had already made a decision and that interview was a sham. Right. So tell me if I'm wrong, but, you know, when I kind of started diving into the situation and I, I know very little about the NFL, so the Rooney rule and all of these things were kind of new to me. But my initial thought was I, I don't like this rule because it's almost like maybe maybe the the driving sort of force behind it is is positive in nature where like okay well we're going to try to open um the interview and hiring processes to everyone whether it's minorities people of color or you know whoever else but it almost seems like to me this was implemented and almost to just have people kind of like a check mark like okay we've we've interviewed you know one minority or or we've made the the attempt to interview as in this case right they didn't even get to interview him when the decision was made so it's almost kind of offensive to me i didn't like it at, at all and i think when you look at the numbers in the nfl now uh it almost seems like that rule 
it, it's like I said, it's just there to say we've made an effort versus it's it's there and people are actually following it. What are your thoughts? Do you agree? Um, yeah, I agree. Maybe the intent of the Rooney Rule when it was written was good, but it clearly hasn't worked. At the time it came into place, there were four coaches, head coaches of color in the NFL. Uh, 20 years later, right now, there are only one. And I think the the mistake is really that there's no mechanism to like enforce the integrity behind these interviews that was written into the Rooney Rule. Uh, the, the interviews can be a complete sham, and just like Flores' allegations are, they, they seem like they probably have been. So you have the New York Giants hiring a different head coach named Brian before, allegedly, and according to Bill Belichick's text, before the Giants even took their interview with Brian Flores. And now you have the Denver Broncos, where uh, Flores alleges he had an interview with them and John Elway and the other guys in charge were not only an hour late to the interview, but came clearly hungover. The substance of the interview was super weak, allegedly. And so in Brian Flores's allegations, the, the Broncos really didn't even and ever have any intent to take this interview seriously, as if the decision has already been made before they even before. interviewed him. Right. So I want to play devil's advocate a little bit, okay, um, just to make this a little interesting and spice it up. So we work in a very large law firm. Obviously, we do a ton of interviews. Um, and for every position, you don't just set up an interview for one or two people, right? Sometimes we have 15, 20 people who are lined up for interviews. So, you know, it's, it's happened or it's possible where... You know, you interview several people and your fourth candidate is, that's it. This is my guy, right? This is everything checks out. This is who I want to um, hire for, for this particular position. So in your opinion, is it entirely possible or at all possible that perhaps this wasn't a sham interview? And in fact, they did have every intention to interview Brian uh, Flores, but Brian DeBull, who happened to be, let's say, the second candidate that they interviewed, they're like, yep, this is our guy. Uh, let's move forward and interview everyone else. But so far, this is who we like for this position. And things just kind of got blown out of proportion where that really wasn't the intent. So what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, the, you know, that can always happen. But it you know, it's always best to still interview the other people. Just because you were blown away by one candidate doesn't mean you're going to be even more blown away by the next one. Mm -hmm. And the, the timing of Bill Belichick's text, it indicates that the Giants had already chosen DeBull. I think it says, um, it's your interview to lose or go there and kill it because you're already their man, something like that. You know, it's not like his interview went well. He was already chosen before it even took place. Got it. Okay, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. It's possible. But but as Nick said, I think Brian Flores' position is that they're not being given the same opportunities to interview as white head coaches are. You might think that the other Brian was the best candidate possible, but Brian Flores should still be given the opportunity to interview and, and surpass that. Additionally, um, parts of his complaints go to the, even when given opportunities, black head coaches aren't given the same leeway as, as white head coaches. Um, he gave several examples where, where black head coaches had succeeded in their positions, yet were terminated when white head coaches were not succeeding in those head coaching positions and given a longer time. When you, when you get an NFL team, it's generally a long road. You're not, you're not being, you're not, everything's not handed to you. You need to build a team, implement uh, a structure and everything. And, and, Coaches like Brian Flores, who has succeeded for the past two years, there's no if, ends in, uh, if, in, 
If, what's the saying? If, if ends and buts. If ends and buts about it. He succeeded over the past few years, yet was still terminated when there are white head coaches who have done the opposite and yet get, get to keep their jobs and are given the opportunity to right the ship. And, and I think that's another point of his lawsuit that, that um, he wants to get across. I actually agree with you. I was, I was going to say that's kind of really what happened to him, right? He has two back-to-back successful uh, seasons, uh, and then he's terminated again for being difficult to work with and whatnot. But uh, what was the statistic? How long were the Dolphins not uh, uh, successful? Yeah, they- the, the Dolphins haven't had two successive seasons of winning records since 2003. Right. So they're they've been one of the worst franchises in the league for about 15, 20 years. So then and this now guy, right. this guy takes them from a top, I think it was top five, maybe top three draft pick, um, which means they were terrible to two consecutive winning seasons like that. That's, that's a huge. very good job. Right. Yeah. And so even if he were difficult, uh, assuming that none of this sort of behind the scenes stuff uh, happened. And even if he was difficult to work with, I I would imagine that he did so well that you still continue to give this guy an opportunity to prove himself because maybe you do make it to the playoffs next time. You know, Uh, is that is that fair? Yeah, uh, they were close to the playoffs this year and the the trend was going up. So, you know, in um, most circumstances, uh, a franchise you'd think would want to keep that coach. Because he's doing something right. He's obviously doing something right, yeah. Right. I'm on the same page. Um, I think I don't think it could be, be said enough how big of a risk Brian Flores is taking in doing this. There's, there's examples of Colin Kaepernick as one in which he, he fought the NFL, and for the next several years, the NFL did everything in their power to fight him and defame him, and um, he never played quarterback in the NFL again. I think Brian Flores is well aware of the risks of what he's doing. There's a high possibility that he might never coach again, even though he's actually currently still being considered for two positions for the Houston Texans and the New Orleans Saints. Well, now it's he's kind of in an interesting position, right? Because if he doesn't get those, those jobs, then... Uh, because they came right or um, those jobs are being offered to him after the lawsuit was filed so if he if he doesn't get them it's entirely possible that those teams are like okay we, we want nothing to do with this um, but then if if he does get the position again it's it, it puts him in a in a very bad position going forward with this with this lawsuit um, what are your thoughts on that yeah it's a, it's a super interesting chronology Flores absolutely knew that his civil complaint was finished and ready to file And knowing that, it appears that he took the interview with the New Orleans Saints yesterday and then at some point immediately after, probably like called his attorneys or texted his attorneys saying, file the complaint right now, let it hit the press. And then once it hits the press, now the Saints and the rest of the NFL um, are sort of being dared. Like they're being, we're daring them, hire me or don't hire me. If you don't hire me, now I have another defendant in my lawsuit. Now I have more evidence for my claims. It's actually a good way to almost ensure that you get the job, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Because now I feel like, it, it, like I said, it, it puts the other teams in a very vulnerable position because do uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Know? That's what I, what I find so interesting about it. Now, like, it's only been a day, so not too much has come out, but that's what it appears... Yeah, it's a great strategy. I don't know if that came from his attorney. I don't know if it came, if it was his um, idea, but it's brilliant. Yeah, and I mean, if he's not hired by the Saints, basically by forcing their hand, look, uh, basically any NCAA college football team and program, except for maybe Alabama, will be dying to hire this guy. So it's not like he will 
never have an opportunity to make money again. It just probably won't be in the NFL. He took he took both of those interviews with the Texans and Saints, and then shortly thereafter filed his lawsuit. And he actually informed those both those teams of his that he was going to be filing a lawsuit against the NFL. So it is a very interesting position. But the NFL has already come out and said this is a meritless lawsuit. Somehow they did their full investigation within two within hours. Two hours. <laughs> well, that's just a PR move. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's uh, they're going to say something, right? Because radio silence is not really like the, it's the NFL. They can't not say yeah. anything. So but they have they, to. They it was a say, very like we're, they could say we're investigating the, the merits of his claims. Say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what they should say. Um, if I know the NFL, which I think I know pretty well, the next several months and years, um, depending on how long this lawsuit uh, lasts, is going to just be the NFL's PR machine trying to bring down Brian Flores in, in any way they can. I, I suspect he knew that prior to filing this lawsuit. So that's what I expect next. And that's been their MO for since they've been in operation. Any, any skeletons in his closet, the NFL is about to find them and they're about to uh, yeah. publicize them. Now, on their end, they're already releasing that, oh, Washington has a new team name. Look over here. Don't focus on the lawsuit that we're, you know, systematically racist. They're, they're going to send us distractions. Normally, they would never announce a team has a new name a week before the Super Bowl under other circumstances. So I, I think they just released that this morning Everything to distract. Everything I agree is, is just going to be a PR move. So what I actually want to talk about next is the complaint itself. And I think this will be interesting to our viewers and listeners because every sort of news article that you open up, there's at least the, the first page of the complaint on there. And what I found to be so interesting and so powerful is that the first line, and I haven't seen a complaint like that before. Me neither, Alison. What is this? Literally, <laughs> the first line is a direct quote of the text message from Bill uh, Belichick. Belichick. Okay, so that I have never seen that. Usually, the complaint just kind of starts, you know, you start talking about the, the law and, and jurisdiction mm. and all these like boring things, but these guys are really going for the jugular. Like, if you read it, you have a text message, and then there's a there's an MLK quote, uh, and then they just like some of the the language and the verbiage in there. I think is it's just incredible. Uh, they've included um, uh, they've included um, copies of text messages. They've it, there's just so much in that complaint that usually does not yeah. go in a complaint. Photos of Photos, all the head coaches. Head coaches yeah. like. I mean, it's it was phenomenal for me to see all of that because it was so new to me. But also, you can tell that these guys are really going hard against the NFL. What yeah. are your thoughts? I mean, tactically, we typically don't include every fact and piece of evidence we have on hand in a complaint for a million different reasons. But you don't typically want to show your hand. Now, maybe they have a lot more in their hand that they're not showing, but it, it's definitely not your typical civil complaint right. uh, for sure. Yeah. There's a couple points I want to make on this. I think, obviously, that was a strategic move on their part. It's both a complaint and a press release all in once. As Nick said, complaints that we, we've all filed many complaints, and they're generally much more vague and, and straight to the point. Um, I think one possible reason behind that is because I think there's a possibility this case ends up in arbitration because I have no doubt in my mind the NFL has an arbitration clause in every single head coaching contract. And, and for those who don't know, once a, once a case is in arbitration, it's less public. It's a private, more private forum. You don't have the opportunity to have a jury of your peers decide your case. Rather, it's, it's a retired judge or, or a lawyer with experience. 
So I think there's a possibility this case ends up in arbitration, and um, we might not see, I'm sure Brian Flores and his attorneys are, are suspecting this and will fight it, but arbitration makes it private, and, and us in the public will not be privy to the discovery that happens, the deposition transcripts. So I think the detailedness of that complaint was strategically planned in case this ends up in arbitration so people know really what, what what's at stake here and everything they have on their hand. Yeah, and something else actually just occurred to me, like... Uh, since Brian Flores is not currently employed by the NFL, he might not be under any contract that has an arbitration clause in it. So, you know, if the the law, the claims are really based in like um, discriminatory hiring practices, he may not, you know, currently be under any active arbitration clause. That and that just occurred to me while you were saying that. I don't know. What do you What do you guys think? That that's 100% going to be the first fight here. I think yeah. the first thing we see from the NFL's lawyers is what we'd call a motion to compel, ar- compel arbitration and um, Brian Flores and his lawyers opposing that because the arbitration agreements, we, me and Nick deal with them all the time, are 100% um, for the benefit of the employer, the NFL, and um, they're, they're generally ironclad, very hard to get out of. I believe Brian Flores and his attorneys will fight tooth and nail to keep this case in the federal court where it was filed so the public is privy to all the information. I agree. So one more point that I want to make on this, and there's just so much to talk about, but what I want to talk about is just employment law in general. These things happen on a daily basis. It can happen in a law firm. It can happen in the corporate world. It can happen anywhere. Discriminatory hiring practices, uh, discrimination in the workplace, it happens all the time, right? And not all of our viewers and listeners are NFL and players, right? These are these are just normal people. So let's talk a little bit about evidence, right? Because allegations, anyone can make any kind of an allegation, but you need the evidence to support those allegations in order to to win at trial. So in this situation, it seems like we're looking kind of like at the totality of all the evidence, right? Like prior hiring practices and so on and so forth and and, and current uh, employment of of the head coaches and their race and so on. But talk to us a little bit about, to our viewers and listeners, about what they can do if they feel like they have been victims of of discrimination, right? What is it that they can present to an attorney like yourselves to take on their case and help them out in a situation like this? Well, like the, uh, the winning lottery ticket of evidence would be like a written text or email or something in writing, literally saying, I fired you because of your race or your sex or your gender or your sexual orientation, you know, anything we call a protected class. Now, do those like winning lottery tickets happen often? No, they don't. You know, most bosses are smarter than to send uh, messages like that. But there are still tons and tons of ways to gather evidence besides uh, just a, a simple text or email process in our world is called the discovery process. We interview people in like depositions. We ask them written questions that they have to answer. And, you know, it's a long process of gathering evidence to create a case. Direct evidence like that, you don't come by. If you do, you hit a jackpot. Um, call us immediately. <laughs> <laughs> what, a lot of what we work with is circumstantial evidence, the timing between things that happen. For example, if someone goes on a pregnancy leave, um, and they come back and two weeks later they're fired. Well, we can infer that they were probably fired because of that pregnancy leave. And if you if you look at it further, if, if this was an employee who had positive performance reviews throughout their entire employment and they come back and they're fired, we can infer that 
they were they were likely fired because of their pregnancy leave. So that circle circumstantial evidence is the type of things we look for, and uh, and we'll look into the employer's um, practices, right? I mean, just to kind of bring up the complaint again, there's there's photos of all of the uh, head coaches, right? And there's like one African American in them, right? So it, it's something that you can look into and kind of dive deep into the company's practices. So it's definitely something worth exploring if you think you have been victim to something like this, uh, because like Nick and, and Levon Bolch said, you don't need that ticket to say, well, this is what my boss texted me. It could just be, this is what I, I think. And, and then, you know, us um, or really any other attorney yeah. can can look into it. All, all the, um, the discriminatory practice has to be is a motivating factor in their uh, decision to uh, terminate you or punish you in any other way, really. Just a motivating factor. It doesn't even have to be the whole reason. So thank you guys so much for joining me. I know there was a lot to talk about. For those of you who are listening, please follow and subscribe. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Apple Music, and Spotify. And for those of you who actually want to watch us, please follow us on YouTube. Thank you, and until next time.